Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, and that means it's time for The Art of the CEO, the show for people who enjoy the challenge of business and who'd like to do it a little better. And don't we all? I am your host, Bart Jackson, the Hieronymus Bosch of business, and every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, the art of the CEO streams magically through the mightily misunderstood realms of cyberspace, where you may listen and download it by visiting blogtalkradio.com slash theartoftheceo. That's blogtalkradio.com slash theartoftheceo of the CEO. So we invite you to listen and explore for your benefit. And whether you are an IT guru who guides new clients with the labyrinthian maze of new technologies like Vinnie Helfrich of Blue Diamond Solutions, or whether you're an uh, immigration uh, law firm uh, CEO who is going, who, who hones uh, legal marketing to a fine art like Michael Wilds, we're here to bring you the Sage Council of Business Masters to help your career and your ventures. Now, today's episode is entitled, Alien Cultures, How Mom and Pop Deals Profitably with Fortune 500. And helping us understand uh, each and each is the merger and acquisitions guru who brings both of them together, Mr. Christopher Blees, CEO of Biggs Coford. Yes, today we're going to examine the very alien and different planetary cultures, the mid-market, privately, closely held firm versus the publicly owned large major corporation. And we're going to harpoon a few of the basic biases that each holds against each, and we'll see out there how the the folks uh, can find some middle ground and make a little money together. And Chris Blease is going to help us define the expectations and realize what attitude adjustments must be made to garner the profits. But before we get all set to grapple with the opposite ends of the business community, let's take a moment out there to supply you with a few utensils for today's Feast of Wisdom. Now first, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And that's the most important position you'll ever hold in your career. So allow me to ask you, is this will this be the day that you hold a minute and yell, wait, wait a moment, wait a moment, and look at those three or four projects that you've got in your plate and say, what's the purpose behind these? Is this a purpose that benefits me? Or will you continue to lack the gumption and drop those, uh, to, to drop all those unproductive routine tasks from your life? The choice is truly yours. Now, second uh, let's get to the second utensil. It's time to dip into a little laughter and take a scriptural recitation from the 101 Best Business Quips book, which I have on my desk here. Uh, so let's look through one. Okay, here we go. We've got one in honor of today's guest, Chris. Quips number 57. Reverse mergers are a bit like the elephant who allows himself to be swallowed by a snake so that he may more easily slither into greener pastures. <laughs> And as an afterthought, we might add that going to an IPO is often a great and effective path toward growth, but it is not some necessary rite of corporate passage. Uh, we invite you to take a look at the fiscal benefits that are actually there before you leap into big boy status. Just a thought. 
And as a third utensil, perhaps we should call today's utensil the subtle slender knife. Right now, we're going to give you the answers to last week's business quotation. And today, before we leave the air, we'll broadcast another quotation, and we invite you to email us the name of the author, as you believe him or her to be. Simply write down that name and mail it to info at bartsbooks.com. And if you are correct... We will send to you a marvelous gift freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. So, the author of last week's quote, that is the individual who said, if you want to influence people, make them laugh, otherwise they'll kill you, (laughs) was spoken by none other than that bizarre and immensely perceptive playwright, Mr. Oscar Wilde. So, now let us dig into today's Feast of Wisdom and garner some ideas about mid- and larger-market deal-making from the M&A mentor and mountaineer of Colorado Springs, Mr. Chris, please. Chris, how are you doing today? I am very good. Another day in paradise. Oh, that's good to hear. Good to hear. Uh, Chris, as I understand it, you're one of those really rare individuals who found an optimum fit right at the beginning of your career. You spent over two decades with Big Scoford, CPA firm, and... I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about Big Scoford and what they do and, and why your marriage to this firm has lasted so long. Yeah, I, I think you were correct in saying that I uh, had a little bit of luck in finding the right place. Uh, I think part of, part of the uh, reason for my long tenure here has been my ability to change sort of uh, shift like a chameleon in uh, in the same skin. Um, right. And so while we are a CPA firm, as you mentioned, uh, one of the nice things about our firm is has been the, uh, the very entrepreneurial roots of the founders. And so the founders, uh, Jerry Biggs and Kurt Coford, uh, when I first joined them, had put together a firm that purposely was designed to really help small and mid-sized companies with all of their financial needs and right. working from the working from the platform of a CPA so helping with taxes and accounting like CPAs are supposed right. to do but but we've we've found that to be I, I've sometimes used the analogy of sort of the uh, the cover charge at a bar it that's that's uh, <laughs> do, doing the taxes for someone yeah, it's that's the that's sort of the first step. You do their taxes, and and what that does, it gives you the, the entrance to uh, to really helping them with with much larger and and uh, more significant financial issues. And so that's how uh, that's how we started the firm, and and uh, have progressed to the point today where we now have uh, a number of divisions that are outside of tax and accounting, in particular. Uh, investment banking and and helping those small and mid-sized companies actually transact and sell their companies, which is uh, the the functional area that I serve within the firm. Right, I see. Well, actually, right now, you're the CEO of this uh, temporarily mid-sized company that you keep nudging and expanding toward that larger corporation realm. Uh, So before we really start uh, defining differences, let's define size. How does Chris please define a, a mid-market term? What's a mid-market term versus a large corporate entity in your mind? What, what scope are we talking about? Sure, and I, I think a lot of folks will jump immediately to some, some strict dollar size uh, yeah. parameters, and, and that those are helpful, of course. So in, in uh, general terms, I think companies that have revenues in excess of $5 million, 
um, and and then all the way upwards of companies probably of the the one billion size. Now that's a right. that's a pretty significant range, yeah, and um, and so I think yeah. I think what you'll find is is that the companies that are on the lower end of that range, um, uh-huh. that there are some of them that that may technically be more than five million in revenue, and yet and yet they still behave like a small business, and they're. And, and right, likewise, right. there are there are uh, companies, maybe even with uh, three or four million in revenues, that aren't aren't quite at that five million, but they but they behave like a middle market company. And so ah, some of it, some of it, yeah. some of it is more than just strict size. Some of it is behavior. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and there are behaviors that that go along with a a middle market company that aren't necessarily the same as a as a small business. Well, I I bet there are, and and one of the things is I I I think the way they view each other, you know. Uh, now you 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 spent a lot of time buying uh, in in M and A, buying and selling companies, and uh, often is not this this must lead to one of the more mid market the, the closely held firm dealing with a sort of a more corporate structure. So uh, before we get to the truth, let's get to the lies. What are some of the prejudices and the, the, the biases that you see the mid-market people, the closely held firm, uh, looking at viewing those big corporate guys with? Well, I think one of the probably most prominent misconceptions is uh, I, I call it the, the big checkbook syndrome. Um, <laughs> and so they – they have uh, yeah. this view. My wife thinks that these, about her husband, by the way. But go ahead. That's right, right. Yeah, the the big checkbook syndrome is the the view that um, that the large corporate entity um, has unlimited funds, and and as right. a result of having these large unlimited funds, um, that they're going to foolishly spend them. And they, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, if I if I had uh, if I could close a transaction um, under this theory. Um, I would be far more successful than I am because the, <laughs> the the common the common misbelief, and I I hear this my all the time among my my smaller company clients. Um, okay. A real common phrase is, "Well, they won't mind paying twenty million dollars for my company because <laughs> yes, the and 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 here's here's the line that you've probably heard before. The line is, that's a rounding error to XYZ Corporation, right? Oh, uh, yes, 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 yes. So, right, so, yeah, they, they've got, <laughs> right, they've got billions of dollars on their balance sheet, so so for them, this is a rounding error. And, a rounding um, error, and so, yes, yes. Right. So that, well, that I, I think, that's probably the yeah. most common. Uh, when, <laughs> when, you, when you really, when you get into it, um, you know, really large corporations are yeah. a, a an accumulation of many small divisions, and each of those divisions have people with uh, with balance sheet and P and L responsibilities, all the way down to uh, to making decisions on people's payroll, and and so uh, even the largest of corporations, um, twenty million dollars is still twenty million dollars, and it's it's right. not a, a rounding it's not a rounding error to anyone, and so that's. Uh, <laughs> I think I, you know. I think you're right. I think it's it's really true, and I that that is very very common. As I have found in my what the the higher up you go, quite frankly, the tighter the cash becomes, not not the looser. Well, let's let's turn around. Let's turn around the other way. Now, when these uh, 
when these large corporate folks settle smugly down at the table, what biases are they holding out uh, about the the mid market, the mom and pop shop, as as they might call? It? What what what's their what's their take? Yeah, now I will say that there are um, there are some truths to both of these biases, but I will okay, um, okay. but I will also say that. That right. It, the most common, I think, misconception um, mm-hmm. among a uh, among a large company that is looking at a middle market company. What what they yeah, will do yeah. is they will it, let's let's say a company that that's doing twenty million in revenues and maybe has right. uh, 100, 150 employees. So this is okay. a, in in uh, in the eyes of the large corporate world, this is a small business, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it, in the eyes of in the eyes of the business owner, uh, any business owner who uh, has a hundred sweated every dollar him, that he now earns, right? Right. That 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 is not a small business to someone who's right. built up an enterprise with a hundred employees. So yeah, yeah. what what is often that the large company will look at that and they will paint that that quote unquote small business with the same brush that they would paint a company that has five employees, and so yeah, what yeah, they yeah. will they will assume is that there's really no additional sophistication that's oh, added. So what yeah. they will see is they look at this as they just, they jump in under the assumption that this is just a, a small business. And right, of right, course, right. anyone who's grown a company from five employees to a hundred employees has clearly learned something and has clearly yes, added right. some, they've, they've added many sophistications to their business. And, and sure, that's what sure. I, I find is that, uh, the, the large company will come in and they will immediately uh, start assuming that uh, they don't have things like HR policies. They don't have things like insurance right, right. coverage, uh, that they don't have uh, uh, you know, more complicated banking structures. Um, and, yeah. and a, com- and they, a company of 20 million. What derivatives, and, what derivatives are. Right. So they, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they couldn't possibly know these, these, yeah, right, these more sophisticated things. So they, they will assume a lack of sophistication that's usually well below uh, the real level of sophistication. I think that's probably oh, the biggest. Hey, that's that's, the biggest that's a very good point. I, I, I'm glad I'm glad to, to see that. And uh, I, I, there is, as you say, there's some truth, but there's there's the hyperbolizing, uh, and I, I can see where it comes from. You've shown me where it comes from. I think it's great. Uh, so with, that's the, so much for the thoughts, the the myths. Now, uh, if if we could take a stab at the objective truth here, we've got the right man. Could could you sum up for us the uh, in, in each case the that that atmosphere, the feeling, the relationships of employee employee to job, the the aura? Uh, I suppose in cliche terms, we might call it the culture. Uh, we love that in business, apparently. Uh, did you person that, that you see first in the closely held? company versus the larger publicly traded firms what's what's the atmospheric difference yeah you know what it really boils down to is um the relationship that that someone that an employee has with their boss and there's a lot of a lot of those studies around why people leave their jobs and um Uh what you'll find is that right behind salary because uh, clearly that's the that's probably the number one reason people leave their jobs but the, right. the second most important thing that helps people keep their jobs and people like th- that they like their jobs is their relationship with their supervisor or their boss. Yeah. Right? yeah. And mm-hmm. and so if you if you play that out in both a large corporate entity versus a closely held company, in the large corporate entity, your boss is your boss. 
Um, yeah. But but he has he has a boss, and ultimately uh, nobody, even up to the CEO of a large company, is yeah. really the owner, right? Right, um, right. And so, as opposed to the the closely held company where. Not only uh, your boss may be the owner, but but certainly your boss's boss is most definitely the owner most definitely of owner, the company. Right. Yeah, yeah. And and right. so what that means is that the relationship you have with someone is much different. It's not just this is the person who gives me my annual review and and adjusts my payroll, but right. rather um, this is the person who ultimately owns the company and who's whose life is personally impacted by the decisions and the, and the business that we do. And so when you, when and you go to what work I every do day, in relationship to him too, I guess. That's right. Exactly. It's, it's not <laughs> right, right, just right. that I'm here doing a job for a paycheck, but I'm actually here doing a job for a paycheck and for that person's family and their future and their wealth and, and so on. So it's, it, I think there's a, a, a stronger, uh, maybe more personalized bond that exists between the employee hmm. and and ultimately their boss, so yeah, okay, that is, I, I, that's I, probably yeah. the the largest cultural difference I see. I I appreciate that. Time is oh gosh, time's going fast, far too fast. But uh, uh, so when we come back, we are going to hear a, an utterly fabulous story of how Chris took uh, Big Schofield into investment bank and M&A that got him here in the first place. Uh, and I, we're going to hear that. But right now, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Art of the CEO radio show streaming live from blogtalkradio.com. And since we've come to the midpoint of today's feast, it's time for us to take a brief survey. And it's time for me to introduce to you the company by whose good graces we are here today. And that firm is Prometheus Publishing, the creator of Bart's Books Ultimate Business Guides, among many other things. And you may visit bartsbooks.com and explore a wide wealth of practical wisdom from business masters. And also this very day, Prometheus Publishing would like to invite you to take a look at uh, one book in its bookstore, The Art of M&A Strategy by Alexander Lejeune and Ken, Kenneth Smith. Yes, and I will say that by reading this, you'll take home all the intricate details of buying and selling a business. But I would ask you to read this book a little deeper and find Alexandra's philosophy of structure and organization. Uh, she's got a good, solid way to approach all your business endeavors with an implicable and very uh, good-holding scaffolding. And also, if you enjoyed today's quip, and say, gee, I'd like to laugh a lot more and get a bit of wisdom flung at me every week, we invite you to visit bartsbooks.com. That's B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com. Uh, go to the homepage, click on the little blue mail mar- mailbox, and subscribe absolutely free to uh, by the in- eternal enigma of email. Uh, get, we, you can receive uh, your laughter and wisdom every week and in a particularly laughable dose. So, ladies and gentlemen, and those who are getting into this autumnal season of new beginnings with a grinning entrepreneurial spirit, we are back with the Art of the CEO radio show on blogtalkradio.com, and we are back with investment banker and M&A guru uh, of Big Scoford, Mr. Chris Blees. Now, Chris, there is one 
story that that I think will is very telling. I, uh, ladies and gentlemen, first I should tell you that today's featured guest, Chris Blees, has graciously consented to share his expertise with us in Prometheus Publishing's uh, upcoming book, The Dealmakers, and he's truly uh, one of dealmaking's masters. And so, I was, Chris, I was hoping it's kind of a, a bit of the preview of this book. Could you share with us that wonderful story of how you first got into investment banking. Could you give us that epiphany tale that you tell so well? Sure, yeah. So as I mentioned, I started out in the more traditional CPA role and um, and had, had worked my way through uh, a number of tax client situations. And one of my clients... Um, primarily as, as their tax advisor, but, but also general business advisor, asked me to uh, assist them in, in uh, the, sell, the sale of the company. And sure. we, started by, we started by actually engaging uh, other investment bankers. Um, we interviewed them and, and selected one. And, um, and, and then as we proceeded to go through the process, um, the investment banking firm that, that my client hired was conspicuously absent during much of the process. <laughs> and, and so uh, my client uh, turned to me and, and asked that I pitch in and as, as uh, a, good, uh, a good service provider. I, I did what I could, and I, uh, I helped a, a number of different things. We sort of rewrote the marketing materials. We entertained various buyers and uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, management presentations, and uh, negotiated terms and so forth, and 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 as I uh, proceeded toward the end of the transaction, it became aware that that I was pretty much doing the lifting that that he had thought he had hired an investment banker to do. Um, and tell us so about we, the ending. So, yeah, so we get to that that uh, final moment at the closing table, the the uh, um, you know, of course the the big payday, and my client uh-huh. is is uh, is is going through uh, all of the signatures and documents and the, uh, the investment banker who had been absent for much of the process, of course, um, made sure to show up to that day um, when he oh, yeah. was going to be re- receiving <laughs> his large payday, share. Right? Yeah. right, right. Never miss a payday. So he, uh, uh, he was there for that. And, and um, my client had these, these uh, two checks he was handing out. One was for the investment banker, which was a substantial check, a uh, large six figure check. Um, and the other was for uh, for the uh, balance of my fees that I had racked up along the way at, as a, as a CPA charging hourly rates and so on. And uh, he he first slides this very large check in front of me and he says, "Chris, you really earned that fee." Um, and then of course he he says, "But I've I've got to give it to Bob here." And so oh um, boy, so my. <laughs> You know now, now in in jest, of course, my client did this for for a couple reasons. Number one was yeah. he he no doubt wanted to point out that uh, the investment banker had really been delinquent, um, right? And right. Uh, and although he was contractually owed the the fee, uh, right. he really wasn't pleased that he had to pay him. Um, the but the other part was really as a uh, as an epiphany to me, and and he. He was good enough to say, "Chris, you are uh, every bit as good and and maybe more capable than an investment banker. So why is it you're not doing this uh, as a service?" Chris, um, I, I, and, I don't want to interrupt you, but I'd like to point out something here. That, that, ladies and gentlemen, this is I, Chris has really just hit on a quill pen moment here, and that is a timeless truth that there are people all around you who 
see your benefits, who see your assets, I'm sorry, and see what you're worth. And they're letting you know this. So I'd like you to take your, your pens and dip them in the inkwell and write down that you're going to listen to those people who are telling you of your assets just the way Chris did. And Chris took it from there and started uh, in, uh, brought on a whole new investment banking firm into his uh, into Big Scoford because he listened. So that's uh, a quill pen moment for today, and I thank you, Chris, for, for telling us that. <laughs> yeah, it really um, was. That was the uh, the changing moment, and, and that was uh, uh, roughly 13, 14 years ago, and, and today we, uh, we, we are – out handling those kinds of transactions, and uh, and I and I'm on that on that perpetual search for those large uh, those large fees, but also actually <laughs> delivering the service. Yes, uh, uh, yeah, right, right. to do both. Well, when you do, I'm sure when you, you when you pull together uh, a thing, when, often when you have a mid market and and a large corporate entity, the, the one of the big white elephants in the room must be the decision making process. I mean, they have. Differing chains of command, and um, I, I imagine this can. When you've got a, a mid, a, a smaller firm, that, as you've described, with the owner um, being right there, hands in, it's how, this could probably cause some confusion in this decision uh, in the decision chains. And I was wondering how uh, does it cause confusion, and, and how do you handle it? It does, and I I think a lot of it is that neither side, meaning the, the closely held company um, versus the large corporate enterprise, um, neither understands each other's decision-making process. And so um, uh, uh, it, is, it is much like um, having to translate between a, uh, a gentleman speaking French and, uh, and, and his, uh, his suitor uh, who's speaking German. Um, and oh you know, so you, yeah, right. we, we find ourselves we find ourselves in this sort of uh, translator role, where right, um, right. the decision the, it's everything from the culture that we talked about, some of the biases that we talked about, but also uh, the decision making process is yeah, very yeah, different. Yeah. So the, the large corporate enterprise, for the most part, makes decisions based on uh, logical business rationale, um, <laughs> as you would expect them to. And, yeah, and ultimately, yeah. uh, return to shareholders and so on. Um, yeah, yeah. Th- there's a there's a little bit of personal uh, ego and so on that fits into the corporate decision making, and there's there's that you can't avoid that anywhere. But sure. But for the most sure. but for the most part, uh, just generally good logic and business sense uh, overrules. Um, in, in yeah, the, right. yeah, right. And in, in the, uh, the the private company, on the other hand. Um, there is this completely in- integrated set of personal and business uh, issues that are constantly being uh, weighed against one another, and and so the examples might be whether it's whether it's a decision that's being made um, that impacts uh, let, let's say my son works in my business with me, and right. and I'm making a I'm making a decision about closing a division down um, that might impact his wherewithal well no longer is this a pure business decision this is now a personal decision because if i eliminate yes, my son's division not only is it is it a, a good or bad business decision but now my son may end up moving back into the basement so um <laughs> oh you know, I, gosh heaven for a right, right 
so so you can see there's this this ever intertwined uh, relationship between both personal and yeah. business that exists in the closely held company, whereas uh, in the larger corporate uh, world, it, it's a, a much more sterile, I guess, uh, business decision environment. Yeah, I, I mean, for instance, you told me once that, the, that you had a client once, uh, a mid-market client, who, who said um, that he wanted to have his firm to, his, to sell his manufacturing to, uh, firm that would stick with American manufacturing. In the corporate world, you are not going. To, in the larger corporate world, you're not going to find this this personal belief or uh, uh, blended in with a deal. I take it that's the kind of thing you mean, right? Well, exactly, and and to the point where they'll they'll literally make decisions that would appear on the outside to be bad business decisions. And so, uh, you know, you you mentioned you know failing to to sell the company or or uh, do business with folks that would offshore their product. Um, right. That that's that's a personal belief system that that actually in in that particular situation went absolute contrary to good business logic. Um, right, and, right, and yet, and yet they stuck with it, and so you know those are those are one. Uh, yes, another another really it's, simple it's to example. Be commended. Is I, I, I hate Chris. Right. I hate to do this, but we are uh, we're running rapidly well, out of time. This is it's unfair. That's we're going to have to have you back. Promise you'll come back to us. But before we leave, I must ask if our listeners out there, and I'm sure many of them do, need either some some good solid uh, CPA services. Uh, Auditing, valuation, taxes, or uh, or they need uh, they're considering sale uh, or acquisition. They need some uh, investment banking services. How how can they get in touch with you and the other expert at at Big Scoford? Sure. Well, our our website is a great place to look at all of those options and and uh, even select a service provider uh, from from some of the bios we have. That website is is www.bigscoford.com. That's B-I-G-G-S-K-O-F-F-O-R-D.com. Um, right. I can always be reached uh, at a phone number, uh, 719-579-9090, or uh, my email right. address, but you can find all of that on the website. Okay, that's wonderful. I I think and I really recommend that that uh you folks take a look at the site and uh consider uh the help out there that's available to you. Chris, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it and uh I look forward to when we can have you back on again. So I I thank you. Thank you, Bart. And thank you. As, and so as we round out today's show, allow me to leave you with today's business quotations. Who was it who said you have enemies? Good. That's the ultimate status symbol. Everyone on top gets attacked sooner or later. <laughs> Hint, these words were spoken by one of the top rainmakers in the realm of talent recruiting. And remember, if you know the author of this quote, just write down uh, the name of that author, as you believe him or her to be, and send it to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com to win an absolutely astoundingly life-changing gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And finally, as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, to enhance your own career, think boldly, Decide swiftly and act unhesitatingly. But to enhance your own business, think exhaustively, decide cautiously, and act with the calm confidence that you've studied and got it right. <laughs> so, 
to all you faithful and playful listeners, I hope that you've enjoyed The Art of the CEO as much as Chris and I have enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember that you may download this and all of our shows at blogtalkradio.com slash theartofthecEO. And next week, do tune in to blogtalkradio.com slash theartofthecEO to hear Dan Gregory and Karen Flanagan, heads of the Impossible Institute, who are going to turn business success myths right on their heads uh, and bring a, a more version, a more human version, I guess I should say, of acting selfish, scared, and stupid and all that benefits. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, as always, it has been a privilege. I thank you. <laughs>